I thought I wanted to do a talk today on an encouraging talk. I thought we might need an encouraging talk today. So uh, that's what I prepared and, and I did it and it's nice and short. It was short. A lot of people like a short sermon. And I thought, oh, it's too short. I'll add to it. And then I added all these things and then I thought, I'm losing the track of what I wanted to say. So it's back to the short sermon. Um, but um, with what's happening with Brad, of course, our church is going through a change, you know, with him having an extended leave of absence. And I thought, well, we needed to have some encouragement. And I was thinking about what passage might be most helpful for us, what church went through a great change. And, and it, obviously I came to, well, I think one of the best examples is Joshua. When, when Moses um, died and when they go into the promised land. So, um, so that's what I'm going to be talking about to start with. So the Israelites had Moses leading them in the wilderness for 40 years. And during the time, they had a cloud over the tabernacle during the day. And at night, a fire was in the cloud. I mean, it would have been quite amazing. When the cloud lifted, that's when the people changed camp, when they moved on. If the cloud stayed over the tabernacle and didn't move, they stayed there. Whether it was one day or one year, they just stayed with what the cloud told them. Moses went into the tent and he met with God. And when he came out, his face was shining so much that the people were terrified of him and he had to put a veil over his face. But I thought, isn't that fantastic? Just to be in God's presence, our faces would be shining. I thought, that's just a glimpse of what it might be in heaven. I mean, it's going to be fantastic, isn't it? It's awesome. Their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. That's fantastic. They woke each morning to manna. Now, the manna, um, which was like a wafer with a honey taste, um, but every morning they got up and this manna's all over the ground. So they had to take enough um, to last them just for one day. If they kept more than that, it had turned into maggots. Except on the sixth day, they could collect double and it wouldn't turn into maggots. But how would you be having the same food every day for 40 years? I mean, I get a bit sick of having the same thing for a week, you know, if, if you're ever doing that. But Maggie reckons that after 40 years, you probably let it turn into maggots the next day and fry them up for some protein. But um, I, I thought it's good to actually imagine what it was like in that camp. It wasn't a small camp. So if you can just picture it, that there was over 600,000 men, so then there was women and children as well, so there was probably close to 2 million people. So there was a lot of tents. It was a big place. And, and so all these people are there and you've got a cloud over the tent of meeting where, where, where uh, it's obviously God's in the cloud and the cloud's over that tent and in, in the night time there's a, there's a fire in the cloud. So you can just picture that. It's got the night lighters there for everybody. Um, Moses goes into the tent to meet with God and when he does, everyone comes out to the entrance of their tents while he's in there. And then he comes out and his face is so shining that they've got to, he's got to put this veil over his, play, over his face. I mean, wasn't it an, awe, an awesome place to be? I mean, God's presence was there so powerful, wasn't it? So you can just imagine what that was like. And each morning you're getting up and there's foods there that God's provided. You know, like fresh bread every day. Um, so it was 
you can imagine the setting, but then you can also imagine how hard it would have been when Moses died and things changed. And so that's why it's a good example for a change. They came to the point of entering the promised land. Now Moses is told up to go up to the mountain because he wasn't going to enter the promised land. I'm sure you all know the story, but, but just to remind you what happened though, they were in the wilderness and they ran out of water. And God said, just speak to the rock and water will come out of the rock. But Moses was angry with the people at the time and he had his staff with him and bashed the rock and, and God still honoured Moses by letting water come out. But God said, well, you disobeyed me, so you're not going to enter the promised land, but uh, because I just wanted to show my power so much that a word would even make water come out of the rock. And, and often I felt sorry for Moses. Does anyone feel sorry for Moses not entering the promised land? And often I felt that way. But, you know, I think after 40 years, he was 120 years old, and after 40 years of leading 2 million people, he thought, probably thought, give me a break, you know. And, and God said, come up to the mountain. He really blessed him. Walking up the mountain would have been a weird feeling because he knew he was going to die. But God showed him the promised land. You know, it was such a blessing. And even though Moses did that, right through, Moses was going into the tent and meeting with God. God forgave him. Uh, but there was a consequence to his sin. But, you know, I don't think Moses felt bad about it at all because he knew what it was like to be in God's presence and he knew he was going to be there. And I think he knew that heaven was going to be a lot better than the promised land. So I, thought, I think Moses felt pretty good about it. You know, it's a different attitude. But what was it like for the people as they entered the land? Well, first of all, Moses died. His body was never found. They mourned for him for 30 days. And then they start to enter the land. And as soon as they ate some of its food, the next day the manna stops. Uh, the cloud has disappeared. They're about to enter a new land and go into battle. And they've got a new leader. So, so they've still got the tent, of course, of meeting uh, you know, the tabernacle. But the cloud's not there. The manna's not there. Moses isn't there. They're about to go into battle um, and a new leader. It would have been a big change, a bit of a challenge. So, they, what was it like when they installed Joshua? Let's look at that. This is when Joshua was installed as the leader. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates or the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave them. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be success successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. 
Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, this is a very encouraging passage for so many reasons. It shows that God understands emotions in difficult times. And look at how many times he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, and then be strong and courageous again. And, uh, and that's said to, to Joshua again from the people later on, as we'll see. But what did he have to do in order to be successful? Well, you can read it there. Um, keep the words, the law on your lips. In other words, talk about it so much that it was a natural thing. You know, he had to meditate on it day and night so he would know everything that he had to do. So ignorance was not going to be an excuse. So he had to know the law to know that they were doing everything. Ignorance was not going to be an excuse and then if they followed all that, they would be prosperous and successful. Then God reminds him, have I not commanded you? Well, that's God saying, I told you to do it so you should have all confidence in me. And apart from the fact that if God tells you to do something, you shouldn't doubt it, but just do it. Then another reminder at the end, be strong and courageous again. Also, don't be afraid, do not be discouraged. Well, I guess um, he was saying that as though things might be difficult at times, and certainly they were, gonna, well, they were difficult at times for Joshua. But why shouldn't he be discouraged? Because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, I mean, what an encouraging um, talk to, to Joshua that was from God. Fantastic. So, is there something in your life that's troubling you? You know, we don't have to follow the Old Testament laws anymore. Thank the Lord. Jesus has set us free. That was the old covenant and now we have a new covenant and we're covered under the precious blood of Jesus. But you know, I think we should know the word of God so that it's a natural part of our life. Just as Joshua had to know the law, we should know the word of God so it just flows freely from us. I strongly believe that the more you read the Bible, the more you know the nature of God. And the more you can claim the promises in the Bible, if you don't know the promises in the Bible, it's a bit hard to claim them. So it's a really wise thing to know the Bible really well. There's a number of passages in the Bible that I've clung to over the years and I'm sure all of you have found passages. It's amazing how you can be reading the Bible and then this passage jumps out at you and you say, that's for me. And you, you just keep that. You should write it down and remember it and claim it over and over. But I find that they just help in really tough times. There's two that I just love that I'm going to put up. So this one I have found just so helpful over the years. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Well, First of all, it's saying that 
Well, things might happen in our lives, but it happens to everybody. This is life, living life. We're going to have tough times. You know, it's just we're not protected from that as being a Christian. But God is faithful. He won't let you go beyond what have temptation beyond what you can bear. Now, many times I've claimed this passage and said, I'm at that point, Lord. I'm beyond. I'm just getting over that point that I can't bear it anymore. And we can claim that. And I've claimed it. And I said, God, I'm at that point. Come on. And that's what we can say, can't we? It's promises. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out. And I've found that so encouraging that God helps us. So often I've prayed, God, what is the way out? You know, can you guide me? Can you tell me, speak to me? And often it might be that time or uh, the next half hour or the next day or some other time, a clear solution to a problem coming to my mind. All of a sudden, and it's no coincidence. So God does give us the way out. And the next one is one I've, I've talked about many times when I've been up and I just love this passage because I just found this one of the most encouraging things. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That is something we should just have on our hearts, that God is able to, more, to do more for us than we ask or even imagine. And it's according to his power at work within us. So the deeper you get into God, I believe that the more God has his power on you. And so the more that is, the more that, that I mean, accordingly, it says here, he's able to do more according to his power that is in us. So the more faith we have, but it's just God can do more than we can ask or imagine. Isn't that just so encouraging? The great passage, he's able to do more than you can imagine or even ask in a difficult situation. So, I didn't want to turn yet, so thank you. If we've committed our lives to Jesus, we can stand on his word and claim it for ourselves. There's a couple of other little passages that I snuck in to talk later on. I can't resist putting them in. And they fit. You know, getting to know the Bible strengthens our faith too. You know, it's when I started, as a, when I was a new Christian, I was reading the beginning Genesis, um, Exodus, Joshua, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 um, Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings. Reading all through that just strengthened my faith enormously because it, I just felt that there was so much in it and so much detail that it can't be made up. You know, and I just thought, this, this is a God who has written this. It was inspired by God, but it's the truth. And it just firmed my faith up completely. So the more you read the Bible, the more it can do that for you as well. So it removed any doubt from me. You know, but the more you, you read it, you see a God who loves us completely. See a God who's in control. A God who allows things to happen to us that we mightn't like and which we can't understand, but a God who is there to help us through every situation. He got, is a God who's, who loves us so much who is willing to let his son die and to be separated from him on the, when he took his sins upon himself on the cross. And that separation would have been really tough for God and Jesus. But he did that so that we might be understanding God's presence covered under the precious blood of Jesus. So this is a God that we can trust through life. 
But how did this people respond to Joshua? Let's have a look at that. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Well, that was a pretty good reply, wasn't it, from the people to to Joshua? But I love the little point in it. But you better make sure that God's with you, you know. Um, and and that was fair enough to say, wasn't it? So, uh, but God was with them, and He showed that straight away with with uh, Joshua's first order, which was to take the ark into the water. And He said, then the waters would recede, and that's what happened. And then the people crossed over, and then when they took the ark out of the water, the uh, the flood waters came back. So the people had confidence straight away that God has, had his hand on Joshua and they had confidence that God was with them as well. And how did it turn out at the end? Well, we all know how it turned out, but it's great to read it again. And there's just two verses. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Not one promise failed. Everyone was fulfilled. What a great God. So, are things different now with Jesus? Now, I think one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible is the shortest, that Jesus wept. It shows a God who understands our emotions. He knew how wonderful heaven is. He, he was there at creation. He knows how great it is to be in the presence of God. I mean, he is God. He, he also knew that he was going to raise Lazarus to life. But his love and compassion for us shone through and he wept. Some say he might have wept because of sin and, and what that has done to our relationship with God, what it's done to our health, and it's resulted in what he was going to have to face, having to go through so much pain ahead of him in order to, to have victory over sin and death. But he did weep, he wept. And I think, what a great God, and thank you, Lord Jesus, for your compassion. I think we can all say that. He understands us. You know when you're reading through the Bible and something just jumps out at you? Um, even though you might have read a passage over and over and over, and suddenly you read it and, and something about it jumps out at you. Well, that happened to me this week. The passage I was reading was a woman who was suffering from bleeding for several years, for, for a long, long, long time, and she touched Jesus. And, and what hit me was that it says that power came out of him. He had his back to her, and power came out of him, and she was healed. Now, it wasn't just his word that healed people. I mean, you would think that God could save something and that would be done. So you wouldn't necessarily think that power would come out of him, his own body. But I found that just so encouraging that 
you know, if power is going out of God into you, naturally you're going to be healed, aren't you? <laughs> what amazes me is God's own power was going out of him into people and Jesus said he had to go to heaven. After he had risen from the dead, he said to the apostles, I have to go to heaven so that my Father can send the Holy Spirit. And we have his Spirit in us when we commit our lives to him. So we have God in us, the power of God in us. And when you look at it that way, we have just such an amazing gift. So what can go wrong in our lives when we have God in us? We can face everything with God in us. Even though we face changes, just remember his Holy Spirit in us. And it's amazing how God wants us to call on him for healing. You know, I mean, he doesn't have to. It's just amazing how he set it all up, that he wants to use us. So he wants us to call on him for healing. He wants us to testify about him and to pray for people when the circumstances arise. He would say to us, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Because I am with you. Have I not told you? We look at the Great Commission, which I bring up a few times. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But you see a similarity between that and what God said to Joshua. You know, um, go and do it. I have all authority on me and I'm telling you to go and do it and surely I am with you always. Don't be afraid. I'm with you to the very end. So, although we might be missing Brad and we're, gonna, we're concerned for him and Naomi, let's focus on the thing that we're meant to do. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Use every opportunity you can to witness for Jesus. That's what we need to do. If someone needs prayer, even in the middle of the street, we should stop and pray for them. Be bold. If someone needs love, let's pray that we might see it and, uh, and recognise that and be able to say the right words or just give a hug at the right time. But this time is not for laying back and letting others worry about spreading the word. As we've got 4,000 people in Blackheath, of which it would seem that most of the people don't know Jesus. So it's up to us to study his word, to pray constantly, to encourage each other, and to be willing to stand up and witness for him when we can. And please pray. We need you to pray for the elders, pray for the preachers, pray for ministry leaders. We need to remember to pray for Bennett and people that are in the organising part of the church like Mary and Greg and Ian and there's a lot of people to pray for but we need your prayers. Prayers work. So please pray. If you're not in a home group, you really need to join a home. And, And the final point I want to make today is don't be anxious. Anxiety is one of the worst problems in society. And we should not be anxious. God doesn't want us to be anxious. And this passage in Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 4, is it's just such a wonderful passage. It starts off with rejoice always. And again I say rejoice. It repeats itself about rejoicing. And let your gentleness be evident to all. 
And then it comes into um, don't be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So we need to try to apply this to our lives. And it's not easy to pass your anxiety over to God. But you know, it's um, really clear here that God wants to take our anxiety. Um, some years ago, I found out how to have the, the love of Jesus, the peace of Jesus on you. And the secret is to recognise that whatever you're going through, God's there for you. And even though you might be going through a terrible, terrible time, and Maggie and I were going through a shocking time at that moment. We were having to sell the house. Her sister died. Her depression was starting. She was going through all these things. There's a whole heap of things. And in all that, I found, I realised that I could face anything, even how terrible it might be, and it might not be a good result for me, but I can face it because God's with me. And if God's with you, you can't fail because he cares about you. So he cares about the end result. There's things that we might have to go through in life. And some of the things are terrible. It might be cancer, sickness, there might be family problems, there might be relationships, it could be just hassles at work. So many levels that we go through. But you know, the, the secret to getting God's peace on you is, is really just recognising, Jesus, you're with me. And even though it might be tough, you're going to help me through this. And I know there's going to be uh, a goal at the end. How many times have you, have you gone through something terrible and then you can look back and see where God was there with you? And you can say, well, in some ways, it was good that I went through that because this has been good in my life. In some ways, you might say, that was the pits, but thank, thank the Lord that he was with me, you know. And this is life. We're going, to have, we're going to have to face hassles in life. But, you know, we can face it with the confidence that we have a God who is true, a God who's alive, and a God who cares about us. We have his Holy Spirit within us. We have God in us. He cares about us so much that he died for us. So we're not living a life of failure here. We're living a life of victory. We know that we're going to be with Jesus at the end, you know, but we're here to stand up for him now. So let's get into his word deeply. Let's try to get passionate for Jesus. And think about, amen, yes, and think about every opportunity. You can pray that God might put circumstances in front of you where you might be able to talk to people about Jesus. You know, and and even just saying to somebody, I can pray for you. Can I pray for you? Ask them if you can pray for them. Even an atheist will say thank you in most cases. I've done that with an atheist friend of mine and he was so thankful. And I prayed over him at the time. I think he was a bit shocked that I did it instantly. But, uh, but that's what we, we stand up for Jesus. We're different. We have Jesus in our lives. That's what society doesn't have. But we have this wonderful Lord. And so, uh, so things are good. Even though we might go through some, some tough times, things are great. I've got some really wonderful people in this church. It's filled with love. 
and uh, if anyone is hurting at any time, you know there's a great amount of people that can support you. Don't keep it to yourself. Bring it to someone's attention. Um, and if you're feeling great about something, encourage somebody and lift them up. But uh, let's pray constantly. Remember what Joshua had to do. Pray constantly. Read the word. Stand on it. Um, and just uh, let's just praise God. Yeah? And don't be anxious. Try to get that peace of God on you. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray for everyone here that they can recognise that they can face every situation with you with them. And we just praise you, Lord. But what a difference it makes. I praise you, Lord Jesus, that you've suffered and died for us and you, we can claim the precious blood of Jesus over every person right here, right now. And I do that right now. Lord, I pray that people, if they're anxious at all, that they be able to just pass that over to you. And I pray that the peace of God, of God the peace of Jesus, Lord, that you would just fill them with your peace. Ah, oh, Lord, help them to pass it out. And Lord, I pray that uh, this church will just be alive and on fire for you. And so that when people enter into this place, that they know that you are here in power. And I pray for the time of healing coming up this morning, Lord, that you would be in power with that too. Lord, let us see people be healed. Lord, we claim your power, we ask for it today. And Lord, we praise you for being the great God that you are and all that you have done for us. We thank you that we can live this life with you with us, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.